Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzy. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today to the podcast. I always appreciate it. And if you didn't get a chance to listen last week, we started a new series here at Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart called the Physical Therapy Side Hustle. And it's all about ways to kind of start something on the side while you still have a full-time job. I get tons and tons of people asking me about how I did it. And so I want to share a little bit of my knowledge with you and also we'll have different experts come in. They're going to be short and sweet podcasts, maybe about 20 minutes or so for each one. And I just want to thank all the people who listened last week because I got some really great feedback and um, I'm really thankful. So thanks for listening. And if you didn't, head over to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com or over to iTunes and just look for the physical therapy side hustle chapter one. It was a lot of fun. Okay. On this episode of the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, I am joined by Jim Klopman to talk about the integral role of balance for health and longevity. So Jim is a lifelong innovator who has always been one of those people who thinks differently. He believes balance training has sharpened his ability to make new neural connections and see the possibilities and pathways that others miss. Originally, Jim was looking for a way to maintain his own athletic performance well into his 90s. But the slack bow balance training system, and we talk about that in the podcast he developed, turned out to be a key to whole body and mind fitness that was even more revolutionary than he could have imagined. He's eager to spread his knowledge, techniques, and tools far and wide to help seekers like him tune their brains to perform better in work and sports, sleep better, look younger, and live longer. Who doesn't want that, right? So in this episode, we discuss the statistics of death and injury caused by poor balance and falls. And as Physical therapists, we know how devastating falls can be not only for the patient, but for the caregiver and family as well. Four ways modern life impairs our balance, the link between balance and athletic performance, and balance training for concussion patients, So, and a lot more. And we only sort of touch the surface on a lot of this stuff. So um, I think that there's a lot more that can be expanded upon from this conversation. And hopefully we can do that. And if you want to expand upon it, then go to Facebook to Karen, uh, Facebook slash Healthy Wealthy Smart. uh, And you can leave some comments or find me on Twitter at Karen Litzy NYC. And let me know what you thought about this episode, because uh, I found it to be really interesting. Jim is not a physical therapist. He's just an innovator and inventor, but he's sort of created this balance system that is being used by professional athletes and certainly by skiers. I believe he's in Park City, Utah, lucky him. And it seems like a really interesting system. So uh, if you want to find out more about Slackbow, you can go to podcast.healthywealthysmart.com onto the show notes. And we have all the links for you to check it out. Uh, They have uh, different products. Uh, So if you're interested in it, I highly suggest you click on it, check it out for yourself and see what you think. So on that note, I'm going to leave it to Jim to discuss uh, some balance and what it's done with his life and hopefully what it can do for others. So again, thanks for tuning in and have a great week.
Hi, Jim. Welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak. Sure. So now I gave a little bit of an intro on you and what you do uh, in our official intro, but can you kind of fill in the blanks a little bit and give the listeners a little more background into, into you? Well, I, you know, I got started doing this balance work. Oh, you know, started thinking about it, I guess, nearly 15 years ago when I wanted to be able to ski well and be athletic into my 80s and 90s. And, and, I, and I was wondering why people would lose their skills as they got older or lose the ability to perform as well. And I, it really struck me because I knew I was as strong at 50 as I was when I was 30. So I, I was pretty sure it wasn't some great loss of fitness, at least on my part. And I didn't think it was some loss of skill in the sports I played because the more you play something, the better you should get. And I just wondered what it was. And I, and I took it after several years of thinking about it, I thought, well, maybe it's balance. And I went out and tried to improve my balance. And I didn't find anything really great in the marketplace to improve my balance. So then I started developing some of my own protocols. I improved my balance. And I'm a pretty good skier. And my skiing got dramatically better. And I thought, well, maybe I've got something here. And so I developed some equipment. And I got other athletes to train. And they all got better in their sport. And I sort of came up with this conclusion or went down this rabbit hole over the last several years that balance is this kind of hidden system that we don't know it's gotten worse. And uh, and we, we, when it gets worse, we don't recognize it, but we do see, you know, fall off in the performance of our sports. And then from there, you know, like I said, this rabbit hole brings up the whole thing about uh, the terrible things that are happening to people over the age of 65 in terms of balance loss and all the concussions that are happening in this country. And, and you know, one thing after another keeps leading back to these falls, and they're all based on our balance degrading and our we don't really know that it's degrading. And so how – did you have certain challenges or <laughs> – yeah. growing up like I, how did you know how did I all did. of this i mean because it's you know obviously you sort of felt like hmm, there's something there's something happening here and i'm not yeah. quite sure what it is but you know obviously that's one challenge but what other challenges are, are we well, talking about for me there must have been some sort of subconscious challenge i've always i've been an athlete my whole life but i've also fought with add and dyslexia my whole life so in high school i you know, was a starting, you know, varsity player in five different sports, but really couldn't make it into college. It took me over, you know, 10 years to get through college. And I just flunk out, go work construction, go try again, flunk out, <laughs> go work construction. And I finally got it going. But, you know, I've always had this thing about where I, if I'm totally neurally challenged, which means I'm skiing downhill at you know, 60 miles an hour, or I'm riding a motorcycle way too fast, or driving a car too fast, or doing something that's just engaging my whole system, it seems to be a place of calm and peace for me. And, you know, I got into this balance reason for the reasons I just said, I want to be an athlete into my 70s, 80s, and 90s. And I don't want to lose that much in the way of skills. And, and, but somewhere along that process, when I was developing the balance system, I went and had a brain scan done and, you know, they came back, they showed me the brain scan and I had pretty extensive brain damage and I don't know where it came from. You know, some of it may have come from things that happened to me when I was a child and I don't remember. I know some of it came from sports, but the interesting thing was that the people who did the brain scan was Daniel Amen, who's written all the books 
on the brain and does you know public TV shows on the brain. And they said to me that there was a lot of damage to my cerebellum and that they believed in the neuroplasticity of the brain, the brain's ability to take its functions and sort of put it in other parts of the brain that haven't been damaged. And they said, you know, the cerebellum's your center of balance. And, uh, you know, you really need the balance train to kind of neuroplastically activate your balance system again. And I said, I really don't need to do that because that's what I do every all day long. There's nobody my age in this country that has balance as good as I do. And they go, well, you need to do more. And I said, no, that's my business. I train people all day long on how to improve their balance. And I'm talking about, you know, really difficult athletic balance, high-level balance. And then finally, I just said, okay, fine. And and they weren't going to agree with me, but I let it go. And the point being is that, you know, this attraction to balance must have had something to do with me to have some innate desire to rewire that part of my brain. And so, you know, it's it's gone back for years, but it didn't really come into a true story or the story didn't come together, probably not within the last, you know, didn't come together till like the last six or seven years. Yeah. And that's, that's quite a story. I mean, not everyone has, what, what did you have like an MRI or a CAT scan? No, I had, it's called a spec scan, which uh-huh. Daniel Amen started using years ago and it shows you know, pretty much a picture of active areas and inactive areas of the brain. And he's, you know, was a real pioneer for years. People thought the medical community just didn't agree with him. And now he's, you know, become the brain rock star. And I think he's got a clinic in New York, Atlanta. He's got clinics all over the country now. And he's got a huge basis of research to show that, you know, this brain damage, he is the NFL Football Players Association advisor on the things that are happening there. And, uh, yeah, it's it was pretty amazing. It's in the book. I have the photos of my brain in my book. So. Yeah, and so exercise, athletics, obviously that mm-hmm. helped you get through a lot of right. that. Um, and now you had just mentioned uh, in – a few minutes ago, about the aging population, how important balance is for the aging population. Right. So there's a lot of obviously healthcare practitioners and physical therapists that listen right. to this podcast, and we know right. that in in not only in the United States but in in most of the Western world that our population right. is certainly getting older. Right. Well, and, and we're but caring you, more for the, this older population. So right. where does and, and we know balance is so important. But, but there's a massive failure in there. Nobody's facing up to that. You know, the, the just to give you some of the numbers, uh, if you're over the age of 65, you know, it's the number one cause of accidental death and accidental injury. And that's bad enough. And the numbers aren't huge. They're about the same numbers as, a, let's say, that they have for strokes, the death, the death rate per 100,000. And these are population-adjusted numbers. But here's the crazy thing is over the last 15 years, this number has nearly doubled. So here's a medical condition, and it's not considered a medical condition by the National Institute of Health. These are considered accidents, but it's a medical condition. It's a loss of your balance system, or it's a degradation of your balance system. This number should not be doubling. This number should be going down because we have more fitness, we have better physical therapy, we have uh, better medical care, our spaces that people walk around in since the ADA has been instituted are perfectly flat. There's ramps everywhere. There's no place you're supposed to be able to trip in any public space. Yet, this number of accidental deaths and accidental injuries for the people over 65 have nearly doubled. 
deaths from cancer have gone down, deaths from heart, uh, heart disease have gone down, deaths from strokes have all gone down over the same time period. And this number is nearly doubled. You add to that, if you're over the age of 45 and you go to the emergency room, there's a 50% chance you're there for a fall. So you think about the pressure that's put on an emergency room, the number of people that are in the emergency room because of falls. Take into account that we're all concussion crazy nowadays. We're all worried about concussions, and we all think that it happens on the field. Not true. The number one cause of concussions are falls. So this becomes a bigger and bigger and bigger medical problem. Concussions are anywhere from 30 to $60 billion a year. They say falls cost us $30 billion a year. So the problem is, and this is what we talk a lot about in the book, is that we're losing this sense of balance because of the modern world we live in. We see four separate factors that are causing us to lose our balance as we get older. And, you know, unless we go back and try to either mitigate these factors from modern life or have people start to work on their balance, this problem is going to get bigger and bigger. Now, the federal government has started a $30 million study on why this happens. And the study is uh, is one of the studies that I read about is they're taking 75-year-old people who have bad balance, trying to figure out why they have bad balance and helping them get their balance back. Well, to me, at 75, and if you're starting to work on your balance problems at 75, it's a little too late. It's like telling a smoker that we're going to research how you're going to get rid of your cancer after you've smoked your whole life. It's too late. It's something that needs to be started to be worked on at an earlier age. We should work with people who are 60 and 65 and 70, but, you know, it's something that we should be working on when we're 45. But, you know, a lot, oftentimes people aren't thinking about it when they're 45. So if they are starting to think about it at not. 75, then it's, it can't be too late to work on it. it and it, it can't be too late to improve a right. little bit. No, no, you, uh, I agree with that completely. You can always improve all the yeah. time. But my mission is that, that, yeah, I'm not saying don't treat those people. My mission is to get people to focus on it now. And we're, lo- you know, and focus on the reasons that we're losing our balance. Look, there's other components that, to keeping your balance up too that we don't see. And there's a lot of great research that supports this. When you go out and balance challenge yourself, your brain works better, you function better. We're not really meant to live in this world where there's perfectly flat floors and perfectly vertical walls. We really like to balance ourselves. Nobody ever says, I need to spend more time in the office. Everybody says, I need to get out of the office. I need to get in nature. I like to ride motorcycles. I like to go to amusement parks. I like to ski. I like to play tennis. I like to play golf. All these things are balance challenges, and they make us feel better psychologically. And this is why we we gravitate towards doing these things and don't gravitate towards wanting to sit in an office that has these flat floors, vertical walls. We look at these boxes and I'm, I have no problems with the screens, but the fact that you're looking at a square box causes you to turn off your peripheral vision, which is a massive part of your balance system. So there's all these things. We walk around and choose and you're a physical therapist. If you can find one person in this world that can tell me why we have heels on shoes, I'll be shocked. There is no reason for us to have heels on shoes, but we all have heels on shoes, which puts us into a position that we're naturally supposed to stand in. 
On top of that, if you look at every pair of running shoes, they have turned up toes. Now, that may be effective for running, but 99% of the time spent in running shoes are in casual situations where you're standing around. So you've got the most important part of your balance system, your toes. The big toe is a big toe for a reason. It's supposed to be helping you balance and be actively in the right position as you stand up. Well, when you stand around in running shoes, your big toes are up off the ground. So we have one thing after another that we're doing that's destroying this balance system, but you don't see it. Because you operate, we've created this index called the KBI index, 0 to 100, 50 being average, 20 being you need a cane or a walker. Well, the world is built for the 20 level people of the KBI. And what and does KBI stand for? Klopman Balance Index. I couldn't think of a better name. Okay. Or someone told me. You know, Klopman Balance Index. And it's different than the, you know, the, the Romberg test, the star balance test. This is a completely different set of numbers in terms of how we evaluate it. But at level 20, that's where you need a cane or a walker. Well, the world we're, we live in is built for level 20 people. Now I'm all for that. We've got to you know, make the world easy for them to operate in. But the rest of us are walking around this world that has no balance challenge. So it's like you're not going to get stronger if you lift five pounds every day. You have to challenge your strength to get stronger. So you lift 10, 20, 30, 40 higher reps and you get stronger and stronger. Well, same thing's true with your balance system. If you're not using it, you're degrading it and you don't know you're degrading it. Suddenly one day you go along and you trip on the curb and you stumble and you don't have the balance system recover or you don't have the balance system to fall properly, which means it's a catch and it, your balance when you fall as you fall, catch your balance, lose your balance, catch your balance, lose your balance all the way to the ground to slow down the velocity of when you hit the ground and you get injured. And these injuries that we talk about for these people who go to the emergency room, they're pretty serious injuries. They're arm breaks, shoulder breaks, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So. We are losing our balance system, and we just don't know it. And, and that's my mission is to get the world to understand, hey, you don't know it, but you're losing your balance system because 99% of the people you speak to go, oh, yeah, I have good balance. Well, if that's true, then why are all these numbers going, oh, all these other numbers are going through the roof? They don't. And we see them come in, and I can tell you unequivocally that everybody that comes in has no idea how good or how bad their balance is. I mean, I have people coming, well, I think I got pretty good balance. We test them. No, they don't. And then I have other people coming, well, I don't think I have good balance, but they do have good balance. Nobody really knows. It's hard for people to know what their balance is. And we're working hard to develop equipment and methods to show people this is how good your athletic, true athletic balance is. Now, in the physical therapy world, I know you guys have balance tests, mm -hmm. but you're taking them up to, a. you know, we've had Athletes come and they go, well, I just got cleared by my physical therapist from my concussion because my balance is, is, you know, I've passed their test. Well, yeah, you've passed your test to operate in the world of what I just talked about, the flat world. But if you're a slope-style skier, you know, a level 40 might be good to live day to day, but it's not going to help you when you get back out onto that slope. So we'll work on getting you up to an 80, which is where you should be if you're a slope-style skier. So this scale goes much, much higher than your classic scales that you'll find in physical therapy. And earlier you had said that there are four factors causing us right. to lose balance. Can you right. talk about those factors? Yeah, the first factor is what I was just talking about. You live in a world that has perfectly flat floors. The stairs are perfectly measured from one step to the other. The walls are perfectly vertical, so you're using them as a sort of a sight line to help you balance better. 
So your balance isn't challenged. It gets degraded because it's not being used. The second factor is we're looking at screens, phones, computers, TVs, et cetera. And we're looking at a square shape. Well, when you walk and move, and we teach people this all the time, you're using your peripheral vision. Over 95% of the data that comes through your eyes does not go through your conscious mind. It goes to your subconscious mind. So it's information that you're pulling in that you don't acknowledge that, that you know, consciously that you're pulling it in. You'll see, uh, I was getting off the elevator one day, and I'm six foot one, and a man about five foot five was getting on the elevator. It's one of these little small elevators in one of these smaller hotels, and he's looking at his phone, and he runs right into me. Now, that's a that's an amazing denial of peripheral vision, the fact that he didn't see me looming over him like mm-hmm. I was. Mm-hmm. And this is what we're doing is we're shutting off the system. There was a video online the other day of a 65-year-old woman walking along, and she tumbles over a one of those, you know, those doors in New York City that flip up on the sidewalk. Oh, that, yeah, sure. So she flips right over that. She didn't mm-hmm. even see that. Mm-hmm. That's a complete peripheral vision denial. So those first two things, the screens and the office space. The next thing are the shoes. You know, your feet have 100,000 to 200,000 nerve receptors on them. They're supposed to give you information in terms of where you are in balance and where your feet are in the shape of the ground. Well, when we put an inch of rubber underneath that, you're you're shutting that system down. Secondarily, we're lifting heel ups anywhere from, you know, 10 to 20 millimeters off the ground, which is taking people to roll their pelvis under and, and straighten out their knees. And then their toes are now picked up off the ground because the shoes are shaped like a rocker and they're rolled up off the ground. When we have people coming in and balance train with us, and we always take, take people, no matter what level they're at, to their maximum balance level. And they come in and they'll have these thick, you know, sports shoes on, Nike, Under Armour shoes on, and they'll say, well, should I leave them on or take them off? And we always say, well, let's start with them on. And they start the work, and they literally, within three or four minutes, they go, my feet are really hurting me. Well, their feet are really hurting them because we're pushing their balance limits, and their feet are going, we want to get engaged. We want to be involved. And they can't get involved, and they keep trying to work to mush, you know, get through that thick one inch of rubber, and it can't. And so then when we take their shoes off and the feet now are actively involved and being used for balance, the soreness from the feet or the discomfort from the feet disappear. You know, I don't, you know this, I know, but 25% of the bones and muscles in your body are in your feet. 25% of the bones and muscles in your body are also in your hands. We don't take our hands and put big, fat, fat, mushy gloves on them and lock mm-hmm. up those fingers so they can't move. We allow them to move freely and touch and, and, and be involved in everything that we do. Well, it should be true to that to a certain extent with your feet. And the fourth component is, and I don't know if you see this in your business, we again, we're talking about the peripheral vision, how important that is to balance, particularly your low peripheral vision. People come in with bifocals or progressive glasses and it inhibits and hurts their balance. And we have them take off their glasses and they go, well, I can't see. And I go, I understand you can't see, but I'm just trying to show you something. Well, the peripheral vision and the rods in the eyes are not the type of system that needs to have um, glasses. And so they'll stand there and go, well, I can't see. And I said, but how are you balancing? They're going, oh, I'm balancing much better. So when people put on progressives or bifocals for the first time, ask them. What's it like to go, I had terrible balance. My balance was terrible. It took me so long. Not until they learned to bend their neck and point their neck 
so their head is looking down at the ground, does that become effective? And we suggest to everybody now that comes in that if you're going to do anything, I understand the reason for bifocals. A guy came mm-hmm. in the other day and says, I need it because I was in Walmart. You know, I got to see what I'm looking at, then I got to look at the label. I get that. But if you're outside, you're doing physical activity, you're playing any sport, go to single single purpose lenses. We have a doctor, a well-known emergency room surgeon around here who we train all the time, loves our stuff. She said, you know, I've learned so much from you, but I went through and I was reading the book again the other day. And she said, I saw that information about the glasses. She's a big mountain biker. She said, I went out for the first time and I don't know how long with single purpose lenses without my bifocals on. And she said, I rode my mountain bike 10 times better than I normally do with the bifocals on. So those four things inhibit our or make our balance degrade. And we think they're all modern. You know, you don't see these th- this type of problem in terms of having balance when you look at indigenous tribes or people who do not live in sort of our modern lifestyle. You just see it with modern lifestyle people. And do you, as far as the KBI index and, and all that, have you mm-hmm. had any studies on that? No, I have, you know, here's the thing. I'm a theorist more than I am a science, scientist. But right now, we filed patents on the KBI and, you know, we're looking to attach some artificial intelligence to the movements that we see that we would rate people on. So if I, if you know, it would probably take me six months to even teach you what the KBI is because these are movement patterns that we look for that we know where somebody is in terms of their balance level. So it's really a theoretical construct now. Zero being all you can do is lie on your back. 20 being you need a cane or a walker to operate in the modern world. 50 being average. The 60, 70 range is you're a pretty good athlete. 80s, you're a good college athlete, you know, bordering on pro. 85, 90 the very best pro athletes, 95, the Seth Currys, Michael Jordans, Wayne Gretzky's, those types of people of the world. And 100, you know, occasionally I'll see somebody from Cirque du Soleil that I might rate 100. So all of these people have, and you can see it. I mean, we take, uh, if you gave me 10, uh, you know, let's say 10 soccer players, 10, you know, midfield soccer players or and let me look at each one of them, taking them through a KBI examination. I'll tell you who the best is and who's the worst is. Unequivocally, the the best athletes have the best balance. The people who have the best coordination and agility always have the best balance. And these same people, oddly enough, have the best vision. I won't say eyesight. I say vision because it's how they utilize the information that they're pulling in. So great athletes are the ones that are able to make that no-look pass. Great athletes are the ones that are able to hit that baseball consistently or shoot that free throw consistently. And they typically have the best balance. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd certainly be interested in seeing – you know, more, um, uh, I guess, structured uh, right. study or evaluation of it right. um, so that, you know, because we, we all like to use our sort of evidence-based right. Um, right. tools, you know, as healthcare right. providers. So right. it, it, do you think that's something that you will be doing eventually? I know that, I, oh, you no. know, I know that certainly takes time and, and a lot no, of No, no, for sure we are. And that's part of why we're developing this equipment. You know, one of the problems has been for us, um, you know, there's a lot of balance tests out there. I mean, we don't like the Romberg test because you're kicking a foot in front of you and you're back on a heel and that's sort of an unnatural position. That's not the athletic, that's not a position we live in. If you've got a foot kicked in front of you and you're on a heel, you're pretty much on your way to falling down. In my book, we want to 
we want to test you in a more athletic balance position. Um, you know, we're totally against closing your eyes because we think if you're going to balance, train somebody with their eyes closed, you just train them to be a well-balanced blind person because really shutting off one of your major systems of balance is unfair. Now, there are people who balance and exist without any vision. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, there are also people who balance and exist without a vestibular system as well. Mm -hmm. So just shutting off one system, it's, that's why I call it the balanced system. I don't call it vestibular, proprioceptive, or any of these other things, because it's a combination of all these different neural systems that create, a, a you know, allow you to balance. Um, so with the KBI, what we're trying to do is take these patterns that we see, and they're all dynamic patterns. They're not static patterns. And we're going to start, or we are, we filed a patent, digitizing them and using some form of artificial intelligence to map them out over time. And then we'll be able to say, here's a, uh, a soccer player of this level, and these are the movement patterns he has. And, you know, if you want to know if a soccer player is good, he should have these types of movement patterns when he takes, when he goes through our balance protocols. So, yeah. yes, we're moving in that direction most yeah. definitely because we think, too, everybody wants to know, and that's the second problem. Everybody wants to know well, what is, you know, I get this, so what is my KBI? And they want to know where they are on the scale just like you want to know, can I lift 100 pounds or 150 pounds? You want to know if you're getting better or getting worse, so to speak. Yeah, and, and you know, you really need the data to show that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's where all that data comes in, and, and that's what kind of – gets people excited and, and more willing to use new things, you know? Right. So I think that's a, a good step in the right direction to get that data. And then from that data, you can then study and see right. what, what works and what doesn't work, right? Well, true. But you, but you know, also, I don't know if you know this, but 60% of all research is never duplicated. So 60% of all research in my books is suspect. And I think, too, that, you know, you, you, what I'm trying to always sell to people is this one thing. I don't care if somebody likes the KBI or not. Um, what I'm saying is, and this is the most important thing, I think what we discovered and what the scientific community has not really talked about yet is a balance system is part of the autonomic nervous system. This is a system that you can't control, but the ANS is supposed to be something that's automatic and protective. Well, you're never consciously balancing, mm -hmm. never. And also falling, it hurts and it's damaging, so it's protective. Now, you cannot overcome it. You can slow down your breath, which is part of the ANS. You can slow down your heart rate, speed it up, which is part of the ANS. You can hold your finger on the fire longer if you want, which can be considered part of the ANS. It's protective and automatic when you pull your finger away from heat. You cannot change your balance system consciously. You can't stand there and consciously have better balance or worse balance. It's the most controlling, I think, of all the, all the parts of the ANS, and yet it's not declared as part of the ANS. And so what happens is you cannot run and cut any faster and your balance system will allow you. Your body will throttle you back to the point of where you have to stay in control because if you, if you cut faster than what your balance system can maintain, you stumble and fall. Mm -hmm. So the ANS throttles you back. And what we find, and this is what's really interesting, is how difficult this is for people to understand. You can't swing any harder than your ANS balance system will allow because you overswing your balance system. You're not going to be able to hold your position. You can't hit the ball or you'll stumble. And you get throttled back to the point of where you can control it. When we improve somebody's balance within two to three sessions, they'll come back and say, I'm hitting a golf ball better than I have in years. I'm hitting the baseball better than I have in years. I'm doing I'm running and cutting faster than I ever. I with skiers always come back and say, It's crazy. 
but people now say I'm skiing, skiing dangerously fast, but I don't feel like I am because I feel like I'm in control because it's a balance system saying, okay, now you can ski faster. So I understand what you're saying about the uh, KBI, and we're going to put that in place because I think it's just a good marketing tool for us. But for me, all I have to do is teach somebody for an hour and a half to two hours, and they come back and they go, well, that's amazing. Even for our concussion patients, we give them their free session free. And very seldom do they not come back a second time because after the one session, they go, I feel different. I feel better than I have in, in a year or two years, whatever the case may be. And what kind of – so I know that you also have um, a system, like a, the right. Slackbow system. So can you talk a little bit about that and how that's utilized? Well, what we do – I mean, to us, all balance is pretty simple in terms of our look, way of looking at it is you're on one foot or the other. Everything in life – in terms of movement, except for weightlifting, is done on one foot or the other. As I'm standing at my stand-up desk here, I'm moving from one foot to the other the whole time. Very seldom are we equally balanced between our feet. So we don't we do almost no balance where we're on two feet at the same time. So we do a lot of work that's on one foot. So I developed the slack bow, which is based off of a slack line, but this is a frame that's infinitely controllable. We have on it what's called a slack plate, which we filed a patent on as well. What we found is, uh, and this is totally the opposite of what you b would think, but a, uh, a one-inch line is easier to stand on than a two-inch line, and a two-inch line is easier to stand on than a three-and-a-half-inch plate. Crazy as that may sound, mm -hmm. it's easier to stand on a rope than it is on a two-inch uh, flat slack line. So, you know, we put people on these things. We start them off with an evaluation of where they are. And then we take them through a series of progressions. And we think a big part of what we do or what's special about what we do is we can evaluate when you're at your maximum balance level. Now, to learn how to improve your balance is like weightlifting. If you lifted only five pounds every day, you're not going to get better. And there's a lot of studies out there about balance and athleticism that aren't valid because they have the subjects doing the same thing over and over again. Well, if I want to get stronger, I'm going to lift 10 pounds 10 times. And then tomorrow I may lift 10 pounds 20 times. And then the next day I may lift 20 pounds 10 times and then keep moving. And I keep progressing, right? Mm -hmm. It was the same thing with balance. But for balance to go to that point of failure means a fall. Right. Watch a one-year-old learn how to walk. They walk, fall, walk, fall. They do this like uh, I think I did it till I was like 25 years old, but I think they do it, you know, the first 10 years of our life. Kids spend a lot of time on the ground because they're really pushing that athletic balance system. Where am I? Where am I? Well, we can't have people fall no. in our in our system because, you know, that's not a good thing. No, <laughs> you're not, not good. You're not going to be insurance. I pay so much insurance now, it's crazy, but you're not going to be able to insure you. So we think our skill level is knowing where that maximal limit is to push people to that limit. We don't push them. We we progress to that push limit. Them. Pardon me? You're not literally pushing them. No, no. <laughs> we we progress them. And and it's interesting. If you take people through a progression, the fear disappears. If if I was to show you I'll have you doing this after two hours, they'd look at you and say, impossible, crazy, I'll never be able to do that. But when you take them through the progression, after two hours of doing, they're going, I can't believe I'm doing this. But you have to take them through the progressions. Yeah, which makes sense. And that's what we do. Um, hopefully, that's what uh, we do as healthcare providers and certainly physical right. therapists is that, right. you know, we work with patients in a graded, uh, in a graded way. So if someone right. comes in 
and they just had an ACL surgery, well, we're not going to get them on the treadmill that day. We're going to grade them appropriately <laughs> until one day they can get onto the treadmill. So, right, right. you know, you, that, that progression and that graded exposure to activity is really important. Right. Um, so that makes a lot of sense to me. Now, where, where can people find out more about this? And if, if there are people out there interested in what you're doing, how can they get involved? Well, I mean, we we want to we have not really done a certification. I have a certification sign up on the website now at slackbow.com. Um, you know, if I get enough volume there, um, we'll we'll go ahead and do a certification someplace. And there's the book, which you know probably has about twenty percent of our knowledge in it. And if you're smart, you can you can glean an awful lot from that. The book is Balance is Power. It's available on Amazon. Um, and we have the Slackbow, which is our larger, more industrial type mm -hmm. of training device, which is $1,500. And then we have a smaller device called the Slack Block, which probably gives you about 60% of the same feeling that you would get on the most extreme parts of the Slackbow. Mm -hmm. And it's 13 inches long by three by three, something like yeah. that. But much easier. You know, much easier. But the idea is... You know, if you if you look at the book, you'll you'll get an idea of things that you know. Most, like I said, we've we've had several physical therapists come through, and I didn't know why they weren't coming back. Like I said, till they told me that they were just there to, you know, get some ideas from me, and they said they still use those ideas. So it's a little different perspective mm -hmm. than than some of the things that you guys do in physical therapy, but it's it's you know could be an adjunct, and we have several physical therapists around us that use our product, and we've had a couple of orthopedic guys, orthopedic groups, uh, one in particular that says that they want to use us because they feel like we're the next step after physical therapy. Mm -hmm. We don't, mm -hmm. if people come to us post-surgery and then we ask them, have you finished your physical therapy? And they say no. And we say, well, we can't see you until you're, you've been cleared by your physical therapist to come see us because we're basically the next step between physical therapy and maybe doing their more aggressive sports that they play. Yeah, and, and it can maybe sometimes like they can even be weaved together, like you said, can be used as a bit of an adjunct as well. Right. Um, just sort of adding to the team, really. Well, and I think you, you're seeing physical therapists, as they should, moving beyond the bounds yeah. of, of where they've been for years. And oh, they're, and they're moving, you know, touching closer and closer to the parts about physical fitness, as they should, because I think mm -hmm. years ago, people were being released from physical therapy maybe a little too early. And, and I think that you guys are being more aggressive about having them more prepared when they leave you. So Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think it's a good spot for physical therapists to be in. And I think learning new approaches and, um, you know, just adding a little bit more to what you can do to help your patients or your clients is right. always an important step. So, right. you know, exactly. and, and this is something that might be, uh, that we might, that physical therapists might want to add to their, to their right. progressions and to their patients, um, when appropriate, like you said, it's not going to be, might not be something we throw someone on day after surgery, but right. you know, it's something that, you know, perhaps can be added towards the end of therapy or, or mid therapy, whatever, but you know, can but I, certainly be added in to help challenge the system a little bit more. 
But I think, you know, I think what's crazy is that, you know, people can't come see you until they got, you know, really bad balance or they're into I a know, point I of know. where they fall or been injured because there's no codes for it. But if somebody would come along and go, let's stop classifying these falls as accidents and classify these this whole world as balance loss disease and let's have a code for it and get these people before they fall. And so they can come see you and say, I, my insurance company, you know, I want to be tested for falls. Like I get a physical, I want to be tested for my, my balance. And if I don't meet a certain level on the KBI, then my insurance is going to pay for me to come train with my physical therapist. I don't know why the heck that's not happening. When you think that the number one cause of concussions are, are falls, it's the number one cause of industrial death are falls. I mean, it's just everywhere. I don't know if you know this. This is the craziest thing. You know what the number one cause of falls are for people over the age of 65? Mm -mm. It's a curb. It's oh, a curb. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. It's a curb. Yeah. Something we see all – it's not like some yeah. – and you walk down the sidewalk nowadays, and if there's a little lip that's up there. There's a whole crew of people there you know, cutting it down because people are afraid to trip on a quarter-inch lip on the sidewalk. It's insane. They need the – this needs to be – more well thought out in terms of how these people are taken care of before the fall occurs. Well, I, I don't disagree. You'll have to talk to the people at I, the ICD-10 people and uh, <laughs> uh, insurance well, adjusters and all those yep, other people, exactly. you know, because it's... Exactly. It, unfortunately, oftentimes in the medical world, um, they, people aren't rewarded for preventative actions. Right. Um, yeah, and yeah. and I think the physical therapy space is getting more and more, like you said, into that wellness and preventative right. world. Right. And you know it, that's what's going to save this the medical system money. Right. Exactly. It's, instead of oh getting God. people at the at, yeah. after something happens, and and mo almost all healthcare practitioners can certainly agree on that. It's just right. you know how how do you get people, and and oftentimes with physical therapy. It, people do want things that are covered by their insurance, you know? So if it's not covered, oh, yeah. people aren't as likely to do it. Exactly. You right. know, exactly. so there, yeah. I think there are ways around that um, and maybe classes, something that are a little bit more low right. cost, stuff like that. But right. yeah, listen, I don't disagree. I think a lot of this stuff should be picked up uh, preventatively so that you don't have the people having to have these hospital stays and right. and having right. falls that cause longer term issues. So I'm right. with you. I'm with you 100%. Now, we're going to have all of your info up on the pod or up on the podcast uh, show notes. So if you didn't catch all of that, don't worry, we'll have links to everything. And I have one last question for you. And it's a question that I ask all my uh, podcast guests. So the question is, is knowing what you know now, and I know you talked a little bit about your college career, it's kind of bumping in and out of college, but <laughs> let's say knowing what you know now, what advice would you give yourself as that college age, that new grad, that fresh out of school. <laughs> That's funny. I, I have uh, children who are in their twenties, and and they, you know, give me a hard time. My daughter said to me one day, she said, "Dad, just I don't need any more life lessons today. Can we just put them off for a while?" But I, you know, the the one I'd give myself is to. Uh, I don't want to use a bad word, so I use a euphemism, but lighten the frick up. You know, just chill. Just world's gonna world's gonna work out. If you get up every morning and you show up, it's gonna be fine. And 
and just don't have an anxiety attack and worry about anything. It's going to be fine. It's a, it's a good place. It's a place to be trusted and uh, just relax. Just go out and do it. I think that's very good advice for everyone. And probably me living in New York, I probably need that advice almost every day. Um, so now where can people get in touch with you if they have some questions? Um, they can just, you know, they, the website's got a contact Perfect. form. My email is, is jim at slackbow.com. And uh, there's a number on there if you want to call me. I, anything you want to do is fine. I'm, I'm, I'm reachable any way you want. So Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And and sharing all this info. And like you said, hopefully we will one day get to the world where prevention is rewarded. Um, (laughs) So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. You're welcome. And everybody, thanks so much for tuning in and listening. Have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thank you for listening. And please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.